Good morning. As some of you know, I tried to read this two weeks ago, but um, I am determined to read it today. <laughs> so uh, the reading comes today from Acts 17, 22 to 34. Paul then stood up in the meeting of Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of, our, of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. This is the word of the Lord. We've been going through a series of sermons looking at how we can be game changers and uh, how we can tell people the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ in ways that are relevant to them. And that's our theme this morning, making connections, being able to see what people themselves are concerned about and talking in to those situations. Let's pray together. Lord God, we want to be able to share with others the things that have touched and transformed our own hearts and lives. And we pray then that we would be given wisdom to see those things that people in our society are concerned about and the relevance of your word to those issues and to be able to speak into that situation with power, power which you give us by your spirit, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul was on his own in Athens. He'd had to leave Thessalonica and Berea in a hurry because his preaching there had stirred up opposition and there were riots and his life was in danger. So his friends, Silas and Timothy, had um, sent him off on his own to Athens with the promise that they would join him 
when they had encouraged the churches and could get free. So Paul was on his own, wandering around this great city, a city full of learned people, and perhaps lots who thought themselves learned, a city of philosophers, the ancient capital or university city of Greece. And Paul could feel quite at home there. He was from a university city. He was from Tarsus and a learned man himself. But there were things in that city that caused him great distress. For as he looked around the city, he saw their many places for worship, their many idols, their many false gods. And Paul was distressed in his own heart. And so he started to speak to people of the Lord Jesus, the one who reveals the heart and mind of the living God. And he got into debate with philosophers in that city. And I think they were not too happy with the things he was saying, so they decided to drag him off to the Areopagus, which was a place where um, the city passed judgment on various views. It was a court, if you like. Paul was hauled off to that forum, that court, and told to defend his own views. Well, I think if we had been found in that situation of being dragged off into a learned court and told to stick up for ourselves and tell the court why we believe what we believe, most of us would have been in fear and trembling. But not Paul. He takes this opportunity with both hands. He wants to speak to this crowd, this assembly. And he begins with something that he has observed in their city. He says to them, I can see you're fascinated, you're preoccupied with talking about gods. You've got so many idols so many statues, so many altars to different gods. But I saw this one thing in your city. I saw that there was an altar which had this inscription to an unknown god. Now, I don't know why that uh, inscription was there. Perhaps the person who did erected that altar was trying to hedge their bets. They felt... Well, we've got lots of altars to different named gods. Perhaps we've left one out. So perhaps what we can do is have a kind of catch-all altar, the one for the unknown god. Or perhaps they had a more philosophical view and imagined that there was some great god the creator of all things, sovereign over all things, but who was quite unknowable. And so they made this altar to the unknown God. But whatever that altar had been erected to honour, 
Paul declares to them boldly what you worship as something unknown I am going to proclaim to you. Wonderful words. And he then speaks to them about Almighty God who created heaven and earth, who has given each one of you, he says, the very breath you're breathing now. This God is not far from you. He's not a distant and unknowable God. He's right near you. And Paul even quotes some of their own poets and philosophers to make his point. He says, God is so near you that if you'll only feel a little for him, you'll find him. And I want to tell you about him. He's revealed himself. He's not an unknown God or an unknowable God. He's revealed himself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is where you see God in, his, in the glory of his character, his concern for the world he's made. And if this God has made heaven and earth and everything in it and has made you, how silly to make idols of him. How silly to make temples for him to live in. As if something you made could honour him. So he urges them to turn from their foolish idols to serve the living and true God. And no doubt he said much more than we find in Acts 17. For as he spoke to them about the Lord Jesus, he must have told them that there is forgiveness because Christ had died to bear the weight of their sin. And Christ has been raised from the dead. And Christ has been appointed by God as the one before whom they, each of them, will have to stand one day in judgment. You too will have to face death. But you too will be raised from the dead. And you will stand before the Lord Jesus an answer for your lives. Well, this was just a bit too much for them. When he spoke about the resurrection of the dead, we read that some of them sneered. They mocked him. The Greeks could not get their heads around this odd doctrine. They could have understood if Paul had spoken to them about continuing to live some disembodied life after death, to live the life of the spirit or of the soul, but he spoke to them of the resurrection of the body. And many of them sneered at him, but some wanted to know more, and some believed in the things he was saying and put their trust in the Lord Jesus, among whom was Dionysius, one of the members of the Areopagus, one of the very judges who was sitting 
uh, to listen to what Paul had to say and pass judgment on it. As well as a lady called Damaris, whoever she might have been, and others, we're told, unnamed. But the challenge for us this morning is how are we going to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ? How are we going to tell people about Jesus this week? Well, I have three brief points for you. Firstly, be clear about the message that you have to tell people. Be clear about the things you believe so that when you're put on the spot, you'll be able to tell them. So many people believe this world is simply the product of chance. Tell them that that is not so, that God created this world and he created it with a purpose. So many people think that if there is some God, he's way off there and quite unknowable. We believe in a God who has made himself known in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has not left us in ignorance concerning himself, but he showed us, particularly in Jesus, that he loves the world he's made. He cares about it. And he's not left us just to seek after him. He is a God who has come and sought us out. We're conscious that we live in a world that's gone terribly wrong. It's not the world that it ought to be or that God created it to be. But Jesus has come into this world to put it to rights. He bore the weight of its brokenness in his own body when he died upon the cross. The brokenness of this world broke the very heart of God but he has risen from the dead, triumphant over sin and death. He has broken the power of evil, and one day he will come to make all things new. It's a big message we've got to proclaim. It's a message of hope for the world in which we live. It's good news. So firstly, we need to be clear about the message. Secondly, we need to take notice of the world around us, like Paul in that city of Athens, going around noticing their idols, noticing that inscription to the unknown God. We need to notice what is going on around us, what people are concerned about this week, what they're talking about day by day, so that we can talk to them do you believe that what God says in his word and in the Lord Jesus is relevant to people's lives today? If you believe it, that that is so, talk to them about it. Show them that that is so. Thinking about those questions that are on people's minds and about the, the message we have for people will help us to talk to them, to scratch where they are itching. Thirdly, here's a suggestion. Here's a suggestion. 
It's only a suggestion. There may be many other issues on people's minds this week that you choose to address. But here's one issue. The Extinction Rebellion movement will be in Bristol this week, disrupting the traffic in central Bristol and making problems for those who want to commute. It's likely to be a topic of conversation amongst people around you. What are they going to be saying about it? And what are you going to be saying about it? How does the message we have of God's big purpose in Christ connect with that issue? Do you remember Greta Thunberg, a 16-year-old teenager from Sweden, who made such a stir, taking governments to task over their lack of urgency in addressing the issue of climate change? calling on school children to strike for climate and inviting adults to join the protest. Extinction Rebellion is an expression of that protest and it's coming to Bristol because in a government report it has been shown that Bristol suffers from one of the worst air quality measurements in the country. And that children in Bristol are suffering from asthma and all manner of chest complaints because of poor air quality. The protests are seeking to get government and councils to act now And what are you going to say? Are you going to grumble about it along with the newspapers? Or does the good news of the Lord Jesus have anything to say into this issue? I suggest it does. We can tell people that this is God's world. He made it to reflect his glory, to be the source of blessing to all that he has made. And it's a world that he entrusted to our care. But we've made a terrible mess of it. And we need to repent over the mess we have made of God's world. We need to change our ways. We need to speak of Jesus, who is the hope for the world a hope in that last day of a world made new, of a creation which is filled with the glory of God. But we need to speak of the way in which Jesus motivates his followers to be those who are healers of this world, healers of creation, and not those who damage it. And we need to show that we believe what we're saying by the manner of our lives. It's an enormous challenge. How are we going to connect to the things on people's hearts and minds this week? May God give us wisdom to do so with grace, with care, 
and with power to the conviction of some, at least, of those who hear us.